You're listening to Flipping Tables. Welcome to Flipping Tables, a show about technology and rants and lots of fun stuff. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Edwards. And I am David Lyons. And we have some news and follow-up. Um, really, the only item is I want to do some self-promotion. So um, I worked on a song for the holidays that is part of a collection of synthy, uh, mostly original Christmas music. And it's called The Little Synth Boy EP. My uh, friend and sometimes collaborator, Benji Robinson, pulled it together. And we'll have a link in the show notes, but if you need some extra tunes to spin as you break for the holidays, definitely check out this EP. There's some fun stuff. Yeah, there is. It's on, uh, it's on what, Bandcamp? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, you can stream the whole thing if you aren't sure. <laughs> That's right. You can, you can try before you buy. Yeah. And uh, anything, uh, it's $3 if you want to download it, and anything anything we get from that we will put towards future collaborations. So we'll put towards future things. Christmas. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so our rundown, we got a lot of things. We're probably not going to get to everything today. Can I, 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 we actually have an overloaded rundown. Can I actually add another thing? Yes. So, <laughs> so we were just talking off the air about uh, uh, they just released Final Fantasy IV on Steam. And I think we've talked about the the re-releases and the re-re-re-re-re-releases that <laughs> Square Enix is known for, but I'm realizing that they have re-released some of these classic games so many times that when they say, like, they're bringing it to another platform, you actually have to wonder which version you're going to get. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That's weird, right? Yeah. Like, it's... Real weird. It's weird that when they said, oh, they're re-releasing Final Fantasy IV on Steam, your... Because I know you like that one. I like that one. Like, that's a really good game. But your gut reaction was, well, which one is it? <laughs> because there's three plus the original. Yeah, I feel like this is like when you see that, oh, Blade Runner's on TV. Wait, which version? The original theatrical or like the director's cut? Right. Or Dark City is another movie like that. It's like, ah, I don't want to sit through this if it's the wrong version. Yes, there, there should be like a tag in the corner, you know, like a little, uh, like a little logo tag that says like director's cut. And I just, because like, it, so it turned out it's the Polygon version. Yeah. Which you're not a fan of. No, no, not, not a fan. <laughs> I have only played one Polygon remake. It was uh, when they first brought Japanese 3 over on the DS. And it's, I mean, it's, eh. it's fine. Like out of like without the context of other Final Fantasies, probably be like, yeah, this is a fun enough little JRPG. Yeah, it's just knowing how efficient the pixel version is. I just don't have a lot of patience for all the delays you get with the polygon version. Yeah, and well, the and zoomed in view. There's some yes, that is like just an annoyance. Like it's just you just can't see as much. Y- you can't. <laughs> But I feel like the the jump from 2D to 3D also gives you like a weird deja vu because you've been to all the towns and you you know you climb the mountain and you beat the bosses but everything feels off. Yeah. Right? Cuz it's not true nostalgia where you're like it's just like I remember. It's like when someone recreates the first Zelda game 
in another game system. I could see Unreal Engine, and they use right. the map of Zelda, and you're walking around, and you're like, I recognize this. This is weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, didn't a guy put it into the Oculus Rift? Probably. Yeah, and, and it's like, but it's like half flat, because he like used some sprites, and then other things are like 3D models, so it's very... Which reminds me, someone put a side-by-side comparison of the first Zelda's instruction booklet where it shows Link on, like, a plateau looking over, like, this huge, oh. expansive world, and a screenshot from the Wii U Zelda recent gameplay trailer of pretty much the same thing. And they were like, the promise is finally being fulfilled <laughs> of what Zelda always wanted to be. Seriously, 26 years later. <laughs> this, I don't know. I, I don't feel like the... Uh these 3D remakes are... Because if you're going to remake Final Fantasy IV or Final Fantasy VI, like, I would say just go like completely all the way up to modern day. Like, put it in like yeah. Final Fantasy XIII's engine and just... Because Final Fantasy thirteen sucks, so at least that <laughs> at least that engine would go to something always. worthwhile. Ugh, God, just always. Should we just do our game topics now? We, we probably should. <laughs> so what's last year? So last year is, and I think let me open the Kickstarter for this really quick because I'm pretty sure they're bombing, which bums me out a little bit. Uh, and there's just our awesome office Wi-Fi making it totally possible for me to open this page. So anyway, last year is oh here we go. Oh holy crap! They made their goal. It's exciting. So so this is a. Uh, they had it's, the money. They were just trying to get free investment from other people. That's very possible. <laughs> and they got featured. So we'll link to this in the show notes. They got featured on Dorkly, which I'm sure helped. Um, but basically this game last year, it's uh, a survival horror game. Um, it's pretty much like Friday the 13th, the game, but not the game because there were Friday the 13th games. But you follow me. So what I think is amazing about this is it's like a team-based, you know, the – teenagers versus the yeah all the cliches you've seen in exactly teen horror movies yeah so they have different powers based on the their nerd the jock yeah etc and, and it's they get away with that kind of blatant stereotyping because it's like it's based on 80s movies when that <laughs> stuff was acceptable and uh but the murderer is a player like it's a human playing as the murderer and the murderer has all kinds of these crazy powers like they can if no character can see them, they can turn invisible and then move, and then they can become visible again outside of where characters can see them. So the example they have in the video is, like, the murderer is looking down the hallway, and none of the characters can see him. So he turns invisible and then goes into a closet that's, like, two feet away from the characters. Because he hasn't been spotted. Exactly. And and that's very horror movie trope. Like, how did he get into the closet? And it's like, it doesn't matter. He's about to kill you with a machete. It's just your nightmares. <laughs> exactly, yes. Well, I like this this trend of what they call asymmetrical multiplayer, where it's, mm. it's a team or a group game, but it's not just you're a grunt and you're a grunt. Now club each other to death. It's like... There's a there's a difference in the roles, and so in in a lot of these, and the Wii U is actually played with this with the tablet because it's like the tablet person can have private view uh, yeah. of a full yeah. map, whereas the people on the TV get a limited view. Um, but it's fun. It's 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 like dramatic irony in gaming form of like <laughs> you the the group of people have certain advantages because there's four of them, but then the the one gets like some extra super vision or some kind of power that right. 
gives them a shot at winning. Well, they they have one other element. This is what really sold me that they put a lot of thought into this because when you die as a hero, a kid, I don't know, not the murderer, <laughs> like if you die, you can actually respawn as a police officer who's showing up to like see what the hell is going on. Yeah. And then you have like slightly different powers. And some of the maps can only be beaten if certain collaborative events happen. So like you need the nerd to do some like electronics work and then you need the jock to like move a heavy thing. So yeah. it's, it's like it's not just we have to survive for X amount of minutes or we have to somehow kill the murderer before the murderer kills us. There's like other objectives that mostly involve like escaping or mm-hmm. alerting authorities. So just it just sounds like a really interesting take on you know yeah. I have a club, you have a club, we club each other till one of us can't club anymore. I can't remember what it was called, but I pl- used to play a zombie mod for the Source Engine, and it was zombies versus survivors. And it you started out in a farmhouse, and it was like all boarded up, like any like zombie apocalypse movie would have, and the the whole the gameplay like evolved in stages naturally because there'd be a moment eventually where the zombies would claw through of course the wood yeah, you planks can't, you can't just stay in there forever yeah and so you'd have to eventually evacuate down into the cellar which lets you get out to the barn like through an underground passageway and it's just like the zombies were chasing you at every point right and it would change the spawn points for, for the zombies so the zombies were still, you know they're like zerg and so <laughs> you would go you'd get shot and die and you'd just become another one spawning in the cornfield as if there was more zombies coming to the farmhouse oh nice and so they were infinite spawn but the survivors were you know one death you're done right and then you just get to watch <laughs> <laughs> But it, it was just really fun, and I could see a lot of these, like, because they had very different skills. As a zombie, you could just claw and run and jump, and that was it. Yeah. And the the humans had weapons. They could find different guns. There was stuff around the environment they could interact with. And I just love the asymmetricalness. So keep keep it up, developers. Yeah. And I guess, so you've mentioned before how you're uh you're a fan of Nintendo because of their, like, let's try stuff kind of attitude. Yeah. And I can't imagine a lot of, like, AAA games trying that kind of, like, oh, well, the guy with the tablet can just see crap that nobody else can see. Because mm-hmm. if you're a game designer, your f- gut reaction is probably like, well, everyone will find that really unfair. But at Nintendo, they're like, yeah, we can make it work. And they did. Like I, we've played a few of those. Like, they're kind of they're simpler, sort of like party games. Yeah, they're usually short, so that you pass the tablet around. Each person like gets their go, but it's it's interesting. Like they're mm-hmm. it's fun. They're trying different stuff. So that was that was last year, and I think you have a thing in here about Final Fantasy VII. Speaking of re re yeah, so releases, we need to include the video in the show notes of the crowd's reaction but playstation has their like <laughs> experience event every year this time of year to like un- unveil what's next and they had the squeenix one of the the higher ups squeenix square enix <laughs> goes up to announce that final fantasy 7 is coming to ps4 and did everybody just totally lose and their then, shit no <laughs> Oh, we're the- and so they they show this trailer and it's just the original. It's four three. It's like twelve frames per second, old nineties <laughs> FMV, and then 
you know the same game you've already seen released ten times on different platforms. You you yeah. played it on your PS One, you played it on PS Three, you played it on PS Two, played it on PSP, you played it on PC. Yeah, and now it's on PS Four. Yay! <laughs> and they'll probably charge ten dollars. Yep. And they will probably make money. Yeah. Do you still have your original discs? Yep. Yep. Me too. I can't use them on the PS4 though. The PS4 won't play PS1 games? No. Why the hell not? PS3 does. PS3, yeah, it does. All of the PlayStations before the 4 <laughs> played previous. Because it's not hard to emulate. Yeah. Like it's ugh. So that's why they can do this. <laughs> See, this is what like I've always been I couldn't be less enthusiastic. Yeah. I've always been a little frustrated by people who are like oh, I still have my original whatever system and it still works great because up until the – like the there was a break at the the last gen, the PS3, Xbox 360 era. It was like, yeah, but your current gen can just play those old games. So who cares? Yeah. And, but now it's like, oh, crap. You actually do have to hoard those old consoles or you have to come up with a reliable emulator system. And now I feel like the PC Master Race people are starting to make a lot more damn sense. Because <laughs> if you have, you know, your original Doom installation, that shit will still play. You need a DOS box, but it'll play. Like, you can play it. No one can tell you, like, oh, no, not that one. You can't play that one. So was the crowd not excited because they knew like they were about to be screwed? pitter-patter, clapping, but not really – not like a roar like you expect at one of these events – and why – I mean, th- think about how many games get added to the PlayStation Store every week. Yeah. Why would you, if you're Sony, make a huge announcement out of what is basically just adding another game to the PlayStation <laughs> Store? Maybe they – I mean, Final Fantasy VII you norm- normally would think would have that much nostalgia goggles involved. Well, there you go, Sony. You went back to that well so many times that it is finally dry. Well, that's what I brought up in chat this week was, like, at least Nintendo, like, they're re-releasing all their N64 Zeldas on 3DS, which is two right. of them, but yeah. they're, they're going to release Majora's Mask. They're updating it. They updated Ocarina so that it was playable by they, modern standards. They updated the <laughs> crap out of it. Like, I remember, because my, my friend George is probably, he loves The Legend of Zelda, but Ocarina of Time is, like, his game. Just like for me, it was linked to the past. He's allowed to be wrong. It's he, linked to the past. He is allowed to be wrong. And I mean, I've had this argument with him many times. I'm glad you are a smart man. <laughs> but it's playable on the 3DS. Like I didn't, I never played the N64 version. I played it on the 3DS. And there were parts where I was like, wow, that was a little bit annoying. On the N64, that must have been like miserably frustrating. Yeah. Like game-breaking, controller-snapping frustration. <laughs> I mean, just the water temple, doing the boots on and off. Or the worst thing ever, answering wrong with the owl so that uh, he repeats his explanation. Owl <laughs> Everyone's bastard. been there. So I'm I'm looking forward to eventually... It's like accidentally installing the ask toolbar. Yeah. It's like, no one wanted this. <laughs> I'm looking forward. I'll, I'll eventually have to bum your 3DS again and play uh, Majora's Mask because I feel like... I always remember everyone saying Majora's Mask was, like, super controversial. Like, it was critically acclaimed, but a lot of players hated it. And I feel like that has dropped off 
over time, like more and more people are like, yeah, man, I love Majora's Mask. This and happens like, to a lot of Zeldas. Wind Waker was like shat on. So totally shat on. And then when it was re-released for Wii U, everyone's like, I love <laughs> this game. I'm like, where were you? Yeah. It's, it, you do feel a little bit like game hipster when you're like, <laughs> I loved it when you hated it. You only love it now because it's shinier. But there is that feeling of like, no, you don't get to act like you always loved it. That's not fair. You have to have always loved it to get credit for always loving it. It's like I'm perfectly willing to admit that I didn't really care for Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. Like, No, it wasn't even made by Square, was it? It was no. just published by them? Yeah, it was one of that and the Legends It was marketed games. as cheap at $40. It yeah. was like your entry-level RPG. Right. Yeah. For you Westerners who just can't handle what we make. Yes. And like I'm I'm more than willing to admit that I don't love Final Fantasy XIII or yeah. a- any of them. Yeah, that one's not like, controversial. No, <laughs> but I'm just saying. Does like, anyone if- else hate getting sick? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying if they re-release it and they update it and like smooth out the battle and then I like it, I won't act like I always liked it. Yeah. You know, like I'm not on the Ocarina of Time bandwagon now. Like, oh, I remember playing it when I was 13, except I don't because I didn't have an N64. <laughs> like, uh, I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. So another trope of RPGs is when there's a certain point, usually early in the game, where you are asked to step into action and save the world. Oh, yeah. And you're presented with a yes or no, and you can say no, and then they just ask you again. And again. And again, again, forever. But you've discovered an exception to this trope. I have. So um, these are games that I have like reverse nostalgia goggles for. So the the Suikoden, Sukoden, Sukoden is what I said as a high schooler. Okay, okay it's sure. probably wrong. I but. think it's Suikoden. Um, but there, it, it's a big series. There's like six or seven games. Um, they started out on the PlayStation. They went for, I think, at least one generation beyond that. And I think there were a couple mobile installments. But it's a really robust JRPG series. It had some really cool game mechanics. And I loved them as a kid. And every time I've thought about sitting down to play them again as an adult, I'm like, eh, eh, eh. Which is fine. Like, not every game has to be replayable at infinitum. But they had that moment. I think this is in the third one. And I'm going to throw the – there's a video, uh, this little, like, fun facts video game video from VG Facts, And uh, we'll put that in the show notes. But there's a point in the game where, like, you run your army. The main character always, like, runs an army against, like, the evil guys. And they come to you and they're like – you know, we have to go do this, and there's this one girl, because of course the main character is a guy, and there's this one woman in your army who's like, what if we just ran away? And you're like, no, we can't do that. <clears throat> you're like, <coughs> I've been, you know, I'm, I have medicine finally, so I'm, hopefully this is the last week I slowly die on the air. Um, but, you know, you kind of auto-reply like, no, we have to stay here and save everyone. And then... You can talk to her again. And she's like, no, seriously, let's run away. And you're like, no, no, but like a little less forcefully. And you can keep doing this like you interact with her over and over again during this certain window. There's no indication that this is an option. And she's like, no, we're running away. And finally, it actually presents the option to you like run away. And you're like, okay. And then you start to leave like the castle fort area and – 
your friends try to stop you. And as a player, you're thinking like, oh, okay, we can't really run away. And then when you get to them, they're like, are you really leaving? Yes, no. And you're like, yup. And they actually, like, let you leave. (laughs) And then you go to this, like, cabin in the woods, and they come and find you, and you're thinking, like, oh, okay, so, of course, I couldn't really run away. While they were searching for you, one of the people in your army died. Like, (laughs) there's permanent character death because of your choices, which is already, like, a big deal. Because there's... The the trend in this game is there's like 108 specific people in the world that are like destined to join you. One of them is now dead. And then they're like, you have to come back with us. You have to lead the army. And you can actually say, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to just stay and live in this cabin with the woman. And we're going to like, you guys go do it. Like, this is not our problem anymore. And then the game ends. Like, you actually get an alternate ending. You beat it. Yeah. <laughs> And it shows, like, here's you in the cabin in the woods, and, like, and they lived out the rest of their days. It's like, did the good guys win? Like, (laughs) did the army go on? The only winning move is not to play. (laughs) Seriously. I just think that's amazing. Like, it's not the real ending. It's very short. You know, it's not an ending. Yeah. But I just think it's kind of awesome that you get that, like, communist choice of, like, will you save us, Link? And you actually get to be like, no, no, I won't. Nope, I'm going to go watch TV. Rafflecopter. <laughs> yeah, always nice to see playfulness with the tropes. Yeah, because, I mean, it, you have to really work at it. Like, you have to just keep pestering her until the game presents the option. Then you have to keep saying, like, no, I'm not going to come back. No, I'm not going to come back. No, I'm not going to come back. Even after they beg you and they're like, a guy died. Like, are you not going to come back and like honor his memory? And See, you get that, to like- that scene is the beginning of most like heist movies. It's like the retired expert gets called back in for one lap. It's like if it started there, it'd be like, will right. you please come help us? Yeah. And you'd have to say yes, because otherwise there'd be no story. But this is like two thirds of the way into the story. So you expect it to just be like the the all is lost moment. Yeah. Like, oh, we can't do this without you. And it's like, yeah, I know you can't, but I'm not coming back. <laughs> so too bad. Yeah. So I just, that was, I don't know if anybody who's listening has played the Sui Koden franchise. Cause I feel like it looking back, I only knew about them because I had a friend who was like super into JRPGs, but I don't remember advertisements. I don't remember commercials. No, I remember magazine ads. Yeah, probably if you read like what I remember them specifically bragging about having 108 characters. Yeah, it was a big deal because there was like combo attacks and yeah. some of the characters were weird. They were like chefs, so it's like <laughs> if you get all four of the chefs, they can do crazy chef combo. So attacks. Like getting all four of the railroads in Monopoly is <laughs> exactly like that. The railroads fight for you, and you can suplex them. So I, I think that was actually our last gaming story, but I gotta I'm gonna randomly insert one more thing that's not on the rundown. Um, have you still been playing Final Fantasy VIII? I haven't gotten back to it in a week. Okay, so you're doing better. But I'm, than me. I'm still ahead of you guys. I think. I think uh, Matt might be ahead of you. We're, I think we're both on disc two. Oh, Are, does it actually tell you in like no. the Steam version? No. Okay, you just know the story. Wait, maybe it did. Did it pop up and be like now starting disc two? I can't remember now. <laughs> it's all. Uh, just, it's probably because of the walkthrough I've been glancing at that I know I'm on disc two. It's just a haze of whatevers <laughs> and tutorials. I think it definitely didn't say anything because I would hope it, not. it doesn't mean anything <laughs> in the PC version. Yeah, but I'm I'm I've, I've been slacking. I'm still way early days. 
Oh, but you know what? I got some travel coming up because it's the holidays. So I'm going to have some time where I can sit down and just watch Squall be an ass. And just draw magic. Just draw and draw. But yeah, so it's how, how do you feel? Like you still... Oh, I love this game. Okay, so, so you're it's still not, good. It's not a struggle for me to keep <laughs> playing it. And I don't think... Is Justin actually playing? He was. I don't know if he's, he's keeping up with it. Okay, so we got to find out how far in Matt Duncan is, and he likes it. Like he's a fan of eight. I think he's. He said he's appreciating it more now. Like the the junction system makes more sense than okay. maybe when you're a teenager. And- so I'm the only one who's like, this is a chore for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's very direct benefits. You immediately become stronger. And yeah, that, that should be your hook of like, oh yeah. <laughs> Well, that's why I think like I need to put in a couple more hours because it's like it's you a first tough... get you finally get Cura, a hundred Curas for everyone, and then you you stock that on HP, and you're just like, oh, instead oh, of I'm six, invincible now. Instead of six hundred, I have four thousand HP, just to, like a snap of the fingers. Right. Yeah. I don't. Know. We'll see. Because that's even though it's quick, it's still there's still a time commitment, and I just haven't crossed that gap yet. So I'm still looking out at the game through the eyes of angry 12-year-old me <laughs> who's like, this is dumb. This isn't Final Fantasy Seven. This is dumb. <laughs> so we'll see. What do, you, what do you want to talk about next year? Uh, we we just jumped go, all over the let's map. Let's just go from the top. Uh, all right. This one I think will be quick. So some ex-Skypers and, and other people formed a new company a couple of years ago and were working forever on a new revolutionary communication platform called Wire. And it's full of hipster. Um, oh, God, it's so and it's, There's too much hipster. There's 10 pounds of hipster in a five-pound bag. So this is basically like Facebook Messenger, iMessage, Google Hangouts, any of these things where you can type, you can send pictures... You can you can even launch like audio or video, like Hangouts yeah. style things. Um, my question is, why do we need like another one of these? Yeah, and I think the problem with Wire is it just doesn't seem to bring anything new except hipster graphics. Yeah, <laughs> like super thin Windows eight typography, and then like. The full, like you were complaining about, the full bleed. Like that, you pick a picture and it's it looks like awful. They just throw your picture in the background and like tint it, like you know, make it black and white and then tint it a color you choose. Yeah, which you then have to read white text over. Yeah, it just, I mean, in the, in the sh- the shots, it's like it's a black guy, I think, in like a white t shirt. So there's like a really high level of contrast between like his skin and the shirt and then the text and then it's tinted over and it's just. You can't read it. Like, yeah. If your text messaging app has a problem with readability, you're, you're already done. You you lose. You, you blew it. Yeah. It's like you can't have a a video conferencing app where the video stutters and the audio sounds like crap. That's step one. Before <laughs> yeah. before you get to put on your 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 modern paint and your thin fonts and do all that crap. Like if I can't read the text, you lose. Yeah. So and I just I'm I'm with you on this. Like why do we need another one? Yeah. I do have to say it looks better designed than Ello, but, <laughs> but that's not really saying anything. The, it's really not. The other small comment I had is <laughs> it seems like another example of the trend of wherever it lands first, it's not Windows. That is an interesting part of this. Like they launched mobile and Mac. Yeah. They launched not even web browser yeah, yet. Android 
and iOS and Mac. So it's not like, oh, it's just Mac and iOS for the super trendy. Like they went full mobile. Like they they yeah. know a lot of people have Android phones. No Windows phone, of course. Yeah, no one expects that, just like the Spanish <laughs> Inquisition. But but yeah, Windows and like we use Slack at work and Slack Slack is a really hip company. Still don't have a Windows client. And I realize it's like even the Mac client's basically a web wrapper. But it's still it's nice something. to be able to command tab and like switch between your yeah. your teams really quickly, which you can't do in the web version. Right. Yeah, this I it's I, just like yeah. I kind of wonder, like, is this an actual harbinger of the end for Windows, or is this just like a wake-up call? Yeah. Well, I mean, historically, Microsoft has been really great for developers from what I just hear from, like, industry. Like, in terms of, like, building a platform and providing APIs and, like... Top-notch tools. Yeah. Really robust developer tools. And so I doubt they've gotten worse at that because that's kind of their bread and butter. So it is, and they still have an insane market share. But is it sort of this this mythical people have to work on Windows but actually use their Android, their Macs, their iPads, whatever they will they're willing to pay for apps on these platforms, even though wires free. But right. it's sort of like people's attention share is on these other devices that they find more personally they're invested in. Well, it's starting Windows to feel... Windows is what you have to use, even if you don't mind it. Right. It's starting to feel like the... Because uh, in the, the late 80s and early 90s, the idea was, well, people want Windows at home because that's what they have at work. They don't want to learn two different systems. And now I think we've sort of crossed this line where if you ask the average person what operating system they have on their home computer, they would probably say Windows. And then if you said, name an application you have installed, they would probably name their web browser. You know? It's like, oh, well, I guess I have Chrome installed or Firefox. And it's like, oh, so it doesn't even matter that you're running a Windows computer because you never do any Windows stuff. Yeah, I even think with, like, there's this little indie community making apps for professional work and... It just seems like those are always on OS ten. Yeah. It's like either it's an open source project that's on everything and it's everyone's happy. Sure. Or it's like, yeah, we made this Mac app, it's really cool. And I'm like, where is that? Like that yeah, there's business people making business software for Windows and there probably always will be. But like the the hobbyists, unless they're doing open source stuff, there's just not cool software in that that zone. Maybe that's the key word there is there's not cool stuff so there's i'm sure there are people making and selling software on windows but it's not cool to report about you know because the kind of people who write for you know the verge or who write for like technorati or you know uh any of those things like they hacker news people like they're on linux or they're on os 10 so they don't really talk about windows yeah you know and i like there's a little bit of a, a filter bubble there Kinda, but I like. Why can't people make something for Windows cool? Like, sure, it's a multi-billion-dollar industry. Surely there are people making money writing stuff for Windows, but nobody's talking about it. Yeah, I remember. I think it was Joshua Topolsky who used to head up The Verge, but now he's at Bloomberg. 
and he actually used to be Engadget, so he's kind of done a little done tour, the tour up. Yeah. But he, I think he was reviewing the Surface, and he was basically like, this hardware is amazing, and I love a lot of the ideas going on, but it runs Windows. And he used the word poison to describe Ooh. what it like what it is to be like, oh, I love everything about this except, ah. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely, I certainly don't have his clout yet. <laughs> but, but when the Surface first came out, my, my very first question was, can I install Linux on it? Because I was like, I don't want that crappy tile interface. Like, I just have no interest yeah. in learning that. I see no benefits. And it's probably, like, calling it crappy is probably unfair, but it just, I just don't care. Like, I'm not interested in learning the Windows tile interface. It's yeah. probably fine. But I was like, the hardware is awesome. Like, it's a nice touchscreen. It's lightweight. It's, you know, you can run full stuff on it because it's, it's got, got a, a digitizer. Yeah. So your a, drawing is actually pretty close to one-to-one. Right. It's got a big fat processor in it so I can actually, like, run games. Big and fat processors. And <laughs> big fat processors. But I don't want to run Windows. I just, I just don't. Oh, I think I, I retweeted it was Jeff Atwood, who's controversial to some people, but he, he, yes. he just had a, a tweet like, as time goes on, Windows not being Unix becomes more and more of a liability. Yes, I saw that, and my thought was, I don't have any good comeback for that. Because <laughs> if you write C code, you know, if you write like a low-level program, you can then, or even like C+, you can then compile it against Ubuntu, and you can compile it against Red Hat, and you can compile it against OS X. There's going to be API differences and processor differences and all that stuff. There but, always will be, but but it's a it's a hurdle. It's not an insurmountable leap, you know. Whereas, like, if you write something for OS X and then you want to write something for Windows, you have to write a completely different application that looks and behaves the same, and that's asking a lot yeah, of a small your, indie development shop for certain parts of the project you're <coughs> doubling your work you're not doubling all of it but you're, you're doubling a lot, a, of, a it. lot of it yeah <laughs> yeah because i mean basically the design is going to be the same but the implementation is totally different you have to implement that design using different apis yeah. and everything and it's just like if this, this is you know the two guys in a garage in san francisco and you're asking them to do everything they just did again for yeah. may- maybe some more money. Like not definitely more money. Just may- you know maybe maybe yeah. more money. Like that's just a no. They can't do that. They can't spend the resources that way. Is it also just like people on Windows don't pay for software? Businesses pay for software, but like, I'm, is anyone buying apps other than games for Windows? I'm going to say no, but I'm also suspicious that this is a uh i'm not sure what the the math term is but it's a like a a fluke of percentages like if you look at the amount of people buying software for windows even if you do count games it's probably a lot of people spending a lot of money but if you look at them as a percentage of pc owners then it's probably really small yeah like my wife has a a windows 8 laptop and as far as I know, she has like zero software installed. She she opens a web browser, and it never like occur to you like, oh, I'm gonna go in the in the app store and and pick out some right. And to be fair, the Windows app store is full of crap, full of crap. <laughs> now, but again, like taking her as as just a a case study, if she had a Mac, 
I'm fairly sure she would behave the same way. Yeah. She would open her web browser and do stuff on the internet. That's why, like, for, I mean, if she didn't need a couple things for her job, she could probably live off of a Chromebook and never really care. Yeah. It does, it's just like, if you're launching, maybe this is just the, the narrow focus of the startup bubble. But like when you're launching something that needs to be hip and needs to like, you know, you need hundreds of thousands of users quickly, you would think it'd be like, oh, Windows. There's so many Windows machines out there. Right. But that's rarely what happens. And I'm just interested in why. Is it just because, you know, well-funded, rich startups just want to buy Macs because they're expensive and it's trendy and it's cool? It can't be just that. Like I, I think the cost is it's a an economic factor and a psychological factor because like so w- you and I use Macs and I mean you do a lot of stuff with music for historically Macs were better for that. Now it's probably not. No, it doesn't matter. You yeah. can use anything. Right. But you now are like a Mac user like you've just historically used Macs. You have no it's incentive. Nice to have a Unix box that does all this stuff. Yes. But you have no incentive to change. Windows is now at parity, but it's not better, so why change everything? Yeah. <clears throat> Whereas, like, for me, um, I historically always just used Windows because I didn't care. What is the term Pareto efficient? Pareto efficient, like, yeah. everything needs to be better for Switch. <laughs> exactly. Not just some things. <laughs> yeah. So, like, for me, I just started using a Mac um, a few years ago full-time, and I'm more of a power user than an average computer user. So I do buy some software. Like I have a text expander and I have Alfred and, and, you know, different things that I can use to make my computer use more efficient. If I was on Windows, I would also have those things. But I'm also not an average user. So let's just pretend I bought this machine myself. Like if I was willing to spend... I don't know, it's probably like a $1,500 laptop. If I'm willing to spend $1,500 on a laptop, I'm probably also willing to spend $10 on a piece of software. Yeah. If I'm an average person buying a $299 HP. HP, I am probably not willing to spend $10 on software. I probably have no need to buy that $10 power user software because I bought a $300 laptop. Probably every year because it breaks. Yeah. I mean, this is why... like. Chromebooks immediately made sense to me when they announced them. People were like, why would you just want a web browser? I'm like, why would you want anything else? (laughs) Like, unless you're running local software, wouldn't it be awesome if viruses were like literally impossible because there was no operating system? (laughs) Wouldn't it be awesome if every time you open the computer, the thing you wanted to do, surf the internet, just like was there in front of you? Yeah, the easiest app to update is the one you never installed. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly that. Yeah, so like I, I've, I've recommended Chromebooks to people who were really confused at first. They're like, well, how do I install Word? And I'm like, when's the last time you opened Word? And what did you do that required Word? You're not writing books. Exactly. Yeah, you're not writing research papers that have to be in the docx format because that's what your boss demands. You go to YouTube, you check Gmail, <laughs> like you can perfectly and, – and those people did come around and that's awesome. Like the, I – don't see any yeah. reason we all have to have the same kind of computer. Like, I need to be able to do development stuff. You need to be able to do music stuff. So we have different machines than someone who does not need to do those things. Yeah. Cars and trucks. Cars and trucks. Do you want to talk about captures? We should. This one, this is just so interesting to me because this is 
the um the touch ID like for the web. I mean, the technologies are totally different, but I'm, I've decided <laughs> now that that makes sense. So when you go to a website and you want to authenticate that you are, in fact, a human being, not that you are you, but just that you're a human and not a robot, what do you have to do? You got to decipher some warped text and type it in. All right. It's a huge pain in the ass. A lot of times it's so distorted you can't even read it and you have to like keep yeah. resetting it like, no, give me another one. No, give me another one. Well, Google, using Googly Magic, has built some kind of algorithm that tracks like your movement, you know, the mouse movement, the scrolling, your general behavior on the page and probably a bunch of other stuff they don't want to talk about because then people would figure out how to break it. Yeah. And that determines whether or not you're a human. So and didn't they develop this because they were discovering people that were trying to trick their ad tracking yeah. by like setting up bots to fake click on ads to earn revenue? Yeah. So that that was part of it. Um, and part of it was just anything they can do to make the web experience better. Because they've always – I feel like they've always been very honest in like when people use the internet more, we make more money. So yes, it behooves us to do philanthropic things like – balloons that rain wi-fi down on africa because it is like yes it's there's lots of benefit to the people but we also benefit and they've never been shy in saying like if we can do something that's good and is good for us why would we not do that like that's a Pareto efficient decision <laughs> so these these captures like the idea of me going to a page and just before i even get to the captcha at the end of the form there's just a little green check it's like yeah you, you you're good just yeah. yeah. Keep doing your thing, man. Like, that's awesome. That's – I'm hopefully at some point they'll like maybe talk more about the technology because I'm just curious. Yeah. But I'm sure it's a lot of behavior. Yeah, so they know how mouses move. How mice is. How mice <laughs> move. Do you think people are now – is there going to be like a rush to try and write little robots that scroll the page in and – human seeming way well i think that was why they explained how it came out of their ad tracking stuff because people already have had reasons to automate mouse movement and clicking yeah because you're like oh i set up some google ads and now i want to rake in the money by pretending that a million fake people are checking out my site yeah and like yeah they could try to check ips like all these robots are coming from one ip address that's probably fake spammy right but you know, the botnets get more elaborate, and so you need some other measures to be like, these aren't people clicking <laughs> on this. <laughs> I have to imagine, too, that Google probably, unless an old signal has been completely defeated, like that data is now totally unreliable, they probably keep those. So, like, they're checking, let's say IPs, because that's a good example. So, like, they were checking IPs, and now they're just also checking other stuff. You know, so yeah. they didn't take off the old lock and put on a new lock. They just added another better lock. And like, well, together these locks are more efficient than either one is separately. Because, I mean, isn't that how, like, cryptography stuff usually works? Like, you have layers of security. You don't just rely on one level. Yeah. So that's – I mean, don't you think? Am I oversimplifying? <laughs> don't you think that's probably how they do it? That's exactly it. You Thank nailed you. it. Yes. Yes. Hire me, Google. <laughs> I've I've cracked your code on my show. Speaking of diapers, 
<laughs> Speaking of shit and things that hold shit. This- A- Amazon decided to sell diapers. Yes. Not just sell diapers, sell their own diapers. Their own brand, of, yes. Amazon branded diapers. They've sold diapers for... Always, Always. probably. <laughs> as long as they've shipped stuff. Yeah. So th- this is... Uh, people are freaking out about this. And the how-to geek, which I'll I'll link to his his set of posts on in the show notes, but the how-to geek kind of came back and was like, if you think this is a problem, then you don't understand business. And his argument was had a, a few parts to it. One, every business on earth eventually gets big enough that they start selling a store brand. So like where I grew up, we had Publix grocery stores. And the Publix brand was almost always identical to the name brand, but it was cheaper. Sometimes it wasn't identical. Their cereals had a lot more iron. (laughs) A lot more iron. But, you know, like Target has Target brand stuff. Walmart has Walmart brand stuff. Like it's just eventually you get big enough that you do that. Also, and this is what really I found interesting. People are like, but I want to buy, you know, Pampers or Huggies, some like name brand. Like I want to buy this name brand off Amazon to which the how-to geek said, yeah, but it's more expensive. Like, Pampers knows you're a lazy bastard, and they charge you more money. Because they can. Because they can on Amazon than they do in, like, so Target or Walmart. they won't be able to do that. Yeah. It's, yeah. Exactly that. So Amazon is basically saying, listen, if you're going to upcharge our customers, we can compete with you. Like, yeah. You've left a, what they call, like, a price window. Yes. Yeah. So, and I mean, you know, I have a little kid. Diapers are little containers of crap they as long as they don't fall off or leak they pretty much did their job yeah you know it's it's not like cutting edge technology which i do always like (laughs) think those diaper commercials are funny when they're like it has this like magic waistband and it's got a gps sensor in the butt and it can do all these things and it'll it's a tax write-off and i'm like they're diapers it turns out (laughs) human biology already took care of like oh what smells oh the baby shit yeah Okay. Yeah. It's like, I don't need a sensor to tell me. It's immediately apparent. And they have, I mean, this is, so for those of you listening without kids, it is really common for diapers to have like a colored line that like changes when the diaper needs to be changed. It's like, there are really clear other indicators. (laughs) Like once your kid gets past a certain age, they start complaining. Yeah. You know, because they're aware. Like They're like, I feel gross. <laughs> yeah. Do something about it. You know, before that, there are like smells and you just... You are, just know. You just like, I'm just going to check. Of, <laughs> lots of ways before stupid color changing technology. It's, I mean, it's just it's totally ridiculous. Like the amount of stupid kid tech that they act like is necessary to raise your child. Like yeah. I could... I could complain about that for a long time. But this is like, I think this is good. Amazon, have you ever bought any Amazon basic stuff? Their electronic stuff? No. It's awesome. Like it's, if you need a stupid like HDMI to DVI adapter or something, do you want to pay $30 or do you want to pay $9? Are they like monoprice level? Exactly. Yes. If you're familiar with monoprice, it's the same kind of stuff. But they also have like keyboards and mice, cheap headphones. And I mean, it's not high-end stuff but yeah. you know that you know you're buying the the bargain yeah version. if you're just doing basic web browsing it's not a big deal if you know you're going to be coding eight hours a day ten right. hours a day maybe you'll invest in a keyboard that you love but yeah. yeah if you're just you know clicking on 
cow clicker on Facebook. You don't need the <laughs> crazy razor gaming mouse with 45 buttons and stuff. And like that's pro equipment. And I think to me, for the average person, the right – like let's just say there's five levels. There's like the crappiest level, then better, 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 and best, right? So to me, the right place for the average person is always level two or three. The bargain, crappiest, bottom of the barrel. $100 off-brand PC. Yeah. Don't buy it. Yeah, that's always a fool's errand unless like you're giving a prank gift to someone you don't like. Um, and then the top of the line, like, if you ever have to ask yourself, do I need the best? The answer is no. Like, you know. <laughs> it's always no. Yeah. Like, if you are an astronaut being fired into space, you don't haggle on – well, the government actually does and that's terrifying. But, like, the astronaut always wants the best. Like, do I want the spacesuit that rips open – one out of a thousand times or the one that has never been ripped open even when we shot it with missiles yeah that one i want the one that will never fire me into the vacuum yeah. of space but if you already own a 4k tv you've just got a huge disposable income you don't True. need that yeah yeah because since there is like zero 4k content unless your job is preparing content for 4k right in which case you know that you need a 4k tv and, and a then Mac you Pro probably and... still don't need the best 4k <laughs> tv that's true because even then you could argue you need to have one that actual people are going to be using so you can see what it looks like on that right yeah but again you know if you're in that position i mean this is constantly happening in in audio audiophile gear and like you know how much should i spend on my headphones so you pre-ordered the pono player <laughs> oh man me and <laughs> on another show that'll that'll come someday <laughs> we will we will tear that apart again but yep. which episode did we talk about it was, it was a while early. back yeah um, early days but yeah there's this tendency to be like well, you know, people go to the extremes. Like, what's the least I can spend on headphones? And it's like, just go f- go on the right airplane flight and they'll hand you a pair of headphones. Yeah. Those are the cheapest <laughs> ones you can get. And they're terrible. Or, you know, you can, you know, there's someone willing to take your money at any level if you want the best. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Bose sound-canceling, shoulder-massaging, <laughs> steak-preparing headphones. <laughs> Sharper <laughs> Well, it's like, I mean, you, uh, I think you, you kind of brought up an interesting point because then there's a whole difference between like, you could, you could probably do those five levels of quality, not just across the entire product category, but there's the consumer version and then there's the pro version. Yeah. Like what I would consider prosumer, <laughs> what I would consider good headphones is totally different than what you, a professional musician, would consider good headphones. Like, if I can hear what I'm listening to, I'm pretty much like, awesome. Yeah. Which is why you mix the show and I don't. Well, and there's different features, like, for the way a headphone should be for different purposes. If you're on the bus, you kind of want something that puts you in your own world and you can kind of shut things out. Right. And whether that's actually noise canceling or just like closed, like, yeah, like something that seals well. Whereas in the studio, whether or not they're closed, like you want something that's accurate because right. you want to be able to hear the detail to make changes so that the stuff that makes it into the crappy headphones <laughs> that other people are using is a nice enough representation of what you made. Right. Yeah. And this, I just, I mean, I, I've had friends who just were, 
either came from fortunate families or worked really hard and got into a career where they made a lot of money or both and they just they always have the best of everything and I'm like you know nothing about this like product area why yeah. do you have the ten thousand dollar version when the hundred dollar version would do you exactly like in a as double well? blind test you would have no idea no fucking clue <clears throat> I just I find it like I mean I, I guess the really the 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 right way to describe it is is envy it's like you don't appreciate what you have and I can't afford that thing. Yeah. So you should give it to me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But it's like, that's, I, there's really no other, (laughs) there's really no other way to describe it. Cause it's like, it's, it's frustration of like, you have all this money to spend on this thing that you then know nothing about, you know, like someone who drives like a Bugatti Veyron and they know nothing about cars. I'm like, why do you have that car? Yeah. I mean, this is premium brands live off of this. Apple does it a lot, you know, and then, well, now there's a Retina iMac. Yeah. It's like, well... The, the 5K. Yeah. And I, I do want one of those. <laughs> I don't need it. Nope. I want you it. want it. <laughs> and, I mean, you know, BMW, whatever you want to bring up in this category, it's like, we are the refined, complete solution that costs way more than everything else, and you want it, don't yes. you? Yes. You don't need any of the things we sell, but you want all of them. Yeah. And I think Apple Apple definitely gets trotted out for this more than any other company, but they're not the only one that does it. But they've done an amazing balancing act, um, not unlike BMW or a lot of other pro, you know, like high-quality brands, of selling you something you don't need and then really abstracting away all the complications. Like, have you ever closed an app on an iPad or on an iPhone? Only because I'm a geek and I know you can go into multitasking and force quit them. Right. But you had to qualify that statement. <laughs> yeah. Because most people probably don't even know that that's an option. And, they're, they, and they've kind of backed off, but they were basically trying to kill saving. And yeah. Google's done this a lot, too. Like almost all of their cloud apps, it's just always saving. So yep. stop thinking about it. And that, that's a habit I had to break because I, I was just command-ass. Like no matter what I'm yep. doing, I'm just always, always saving. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it's weird because like when I'm in Vim, you know, I actually it's Mac Vim, so I could use Command S, but I actually use the Vim shortcut and you know colon W for writing the file. But then when I'm in like Google Docs, I I feel my hands start to slide toward like Command S, and I'm like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> it won't hurt anything, but it's also unnecessary. It also doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't do anything. So it's it's just a. Everybody hear that pretty music? That was a calendar reminder on my laptop. Oh, everyone knows that sound. <laughs> Um, but it's just it's a uh, it's I think it's a it's a real talent for a company to be like here's this ultra powerful thing and then also convince you you don't need to know how it works yeah like that's, let it disappear yeah just here's a space shuttle but we didn't put any windows on because you're not concerned with space just tell it where you want to go yeah that's just it's and I mean maybe I'm I'm more on toward the pro side in like the tech field than the consumer side but I'm like no nah, I want to know. Yeah. Like I I want to know how the the food is made. Yeah, don't make me manage every single task. Like you can manage it smartly for me. I want to know how you're doing it. Yeah. So if I need to get in there, you know, like on on you know, I use a Mac or if I'm in a Linux box, like I need to know how to kill processes. Yeah. I trust you to do it. I want to be able to do it. <laughs> but yeah, it, iOS is definitely a, a whole step away cuz OS 10 is actually remarkably 
open to being hacked with as oh, yeah. much as you want. Cause it's Unix. Yep. It's just like, yeah, Apple's actual system is pretty much you're stuck with it, but yeah. everything else about it, you can just go digging around and, and destroy it. And it's kind of like, yeah, Apple probably wants to abstract all that away too. <laughs> yeah. Well, they have been um, opening a lot more stuff up in, in Yosemite and, and even on iOS, which is awesome. Cause I want to see more, yeah, I want to see more people doing more cool. I don't things. know. They have. We don't have time today, but there, there's more <laughs> scandals on iOS of like dun, dun, dun. the. There's a pretty well respected company called Panic. They made Coda. They mm, make mm-hmm. Transmit. They make some of these like popular web developer apps, and they had a the new like drop down widget stuff in iOS eight. They Apple basically said you're not allowed to do this. Oh. And so it's like, oh, here's all these APIs you can't there's use. There's a there's a lot of I would qualify Mac fanboy developers that I you know, I kind of follow their blog or their podcasts and they are pissed with Apple over this. <laughs> They're like, who are you protecting by limiting this ability? Yeah. To like I think it was specifically Panic had in their transmit app, which is like an FTP like some kind of file transfer management app, you would be able to store files in iCloud or other services, and Apple said remove that stuff. Hmm. And it's one of <laughs> Why those... Why even provide the avenue it's to It's one it? of those nonsensical, like, they used to have, you can't duplicate existing functionality, like... Uh. You're not allowed to release your own mail app because we have a mail app. Because we hate you. <laughs> and they've let up on that, and I think we just need more public shaming. Like, I, it's like I just got done saying, "Oh, it's really remarkably like not locked down. You can kind of do whatever you want." Right. But in iOS, they are still doing shit. Like, come on. <sighs> yeah, I I think that's wherever. Was it? Did you say who are you protecting, or was that something you saw? That's what I saw. Yeah, is the that, argument. that to me is the right question. It's not like obviously Apple's going to do things that benefit Apple, but it's like if you're going to say you're doing it to protect your users, who from what? Yeah, I, it's like what is the benefit? You're not benefiting your ecosystem. You're not benefiting developers. <laughs> you're not benefiting your users. Yeah. So, so maybe reexamine this. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. So sneak peek to next week's show, maybe. Yeah. So Mike, where can people find these show notes? Head to flippingtablespodcast.com slash 044. And where can people find your amazing Christmas EP? Oh, yeah. Head to reptilefiction.bandcamp.com or just look in the show notes. Do both. Yeah. Maybe maybe <laughs> I'll, maybe I'll this will be retroactively true, but maybe I'll use some of that music this week instead of the Flipping Tables theme. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That, so I think at least at the end. Yeah. Definitely. Because people like the familiar theme song at the beginning. It's true. You know, it's nice. It's like a hug. <laughs> it's like Huggies, Amazon brand. That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> people can find me at linesinbeta.com or at linesinbeta on Twitter. Um, and that's, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, find think, me at pseudomichael.com. Yeah, I think we're wrapped. Yeah.